So what I'm understanding here, correct me if I'm wrong, 20th Century Fox, is that you're not giving me any money to make a Jabba with. So now I'm left basically with nothing. I'm, I'm left with zero in which, in which, what can I do with zero? You know, I mean, ones and zeros, I can do a lot with. That's the whole, the CGI-ness of it all. But zero dollars, I can't, I can't do anything with zero dollars. I need a little support. I need, you know, this is my life here we're talking about. It's my original vision. We're not just, we're not, we're not just talking about, you know, meet Wally Sparks or something. We're talking about my life. You know, and if you won't give me any money, no, I know I'm rich. It's, it's a little gauche to point that out. Roland Emmerich has money, too. I don't see you telling him he can only make ID2 or ID3 when he wants to make the whole ID4. No, I haven't seen it. But if you won't support my vision to put a Jabba in the middle of that scene, now I know it looks like a marshmallow peep that's been left in a microwave. That's why I need money. This is, this is forcing me to do something I don't want to do. To, to, to take a meeting with Disney and just make a clean cut here and say, no way, Georgie, you're not putting up with these people. And I'll tell you why I can't put up with you people, because you're bastard people. And if after all I've done for you, if you don't want to give me enough money to make a, a, a firm, non-gelatinous job of the hut and to add in a bunch of weird dinosaurs and them little robots from batteries not included. And if you don't want me to restore my original vision for this film, then I'm just going home and I'm going to I'm going to just no, I'm not going to bite my pillow, Kathleen. I'm not Brian De Palma. No, I'm going to I'm going to go back to the editing room and I am just going to I'm going to do something I don't want to do. I'm going to have to make Greedo shoot first. Even if it makes no sense, I'm going to just have him shoot first. I'm going to have him just shoot all over Harrison's. No, don't be gross. I mean, around the facial area. And that is just what I'm going to do. McClunky. Coming soon. This summer. At theaters everywhere. Opening weekend. Read it R. Welcome to episode 36 of Opening Weekend. I am Jason O'Connell, and I am once again joined by my dear friends Fred Berman and Dan Matisse. And this week we are rocketing back to January 31st, 1997, and the wide release of Christopher Guest's classic mockumentary Waiting for Guffman, as well as the release of Rodney Dangerfield in Meet Wally Sparks, and Star Wars Special Edition, the remastered and Easter egg-filled 20th anniversary re-release of George Lucas's Star Wars A New Hope. But before we dive into the week's films, Fred and Dan, where were you guys in late January of 1997? Uh, would this have been my second year of graduate school then? This be the middle of my second year, dude. I, we, I did not, go, we did not carry you there where, each year. Where were you? If you guys were, what did I give disorderlies? Now look, <laughs> I believe I was in. I will. I definitely was in Sarasota, Florida. Okay. I definitely. I think I was in the middle of my second year, which means, oh, you know what this means? It means I had just finished playing. <laughs> <laughs> I had just fit something that would never happen today. Thank God. I just finished playing <laughs> Papa Gonzalez in, in Summer and Smoke, whose one line yeah. is, This guy's the limit. And it was ridiculous. Ridiculous. 
That was my first grad school actual role. Papa. You only had one line? That Gonzalo. was the one line? That is basically what he says. Then he follows a guy. Did they see your Yomal in the, uh, they the Invisible have, People? Is they that must how have, they knew? Yeah. They must have seen me as Yomal or, or many of the other uh, uh, ethnicities I played throughout my lifetime. But For the, but, uh, for the listeners who, who didn't see yeah, The Invisible sorry. People our sophomore year in uh, at Hofstra University, that was a play uh, written by our friend Gabriel Grilly based on the movie The, the uh, Emerald uh, Forest. The Emerald Forest. And Dan was cast as a character named Yomal, who was a, you're a fruit salesman, <laughs> right? I wanted to vendor. say Yomal the Night Visitor, but isn't that Yomal <laughs> the Night Visitor? Isn't that like. <laughs> That's like a, a, a movie music, a musical about the three kings. Um, <laughs> right. That's it. So this means I was going into rehearsals for a very complicated and strange but lovely play called Arcadia by Tom Stopper. Do you know that play? I love play? that play. Yeah. yeah. I saw that. Uh, and and but you know what I'm I think I saw that around this time or maybe earlier this year mm. in Boston at the Huntington Theater in Boston. Oh, okay. Mm. I had yeah. seen the original uh, Lincoln Center cast, which had Blair Brown and Victor Garber and a very very young uh, Billy Crudup and all these right, incredible yeah. people in it. Um and uh, and Haviland Morris from Gremlins Two oh, and yes. Sixteen Candles, and 16 Candles. Was, was in it. She was She's great. wonderful. Yeah, and so so many great people were in that were in that cast. I wish I could remember the the rest of the Jennifer Dundas. I think was in that cast, but it was really good. Um, but yeah, then here I am in grad school, going, holy shit, I'm going to play the Vic, Victor Garber uh, part. Uh, oh yeah, in, I remember when you told me that you got cast as that role. Yeah, it was wow. my one uh, really nice, uh, a couple of nice roles. That was very school, but this was sort of the first one. It was very exciting. So we were going into this deep, you know, de- dense, <laughs> incredibly wordy Tom Stoppard um, um, play. Movie audiences might know Tom Stoppard best from uh, Shakespeare in Love, but he's got a million bajillion plays. Uh, yeah. That are all sort of densely packed with language, and and they're they're hard to parse through. But man, they're really really good. So I was going I was going into that, and it was tough, but 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 fun. This moment of my life is such a blur. I I can't pinpoint anything. I know I was living on the Lower East Side. Mm-hmm. I think I just finished a really shitty production of Pericles or something. Oh wow! Possibly, I don't know. And I used to fall asleep on stage during that. <laughs> that was terrifying. There was a, there was a scene where it was like a small cast production. We all played multiple roles, and at one point, I don't think I saw that. I no. saw your King John, which oh, I think God, was this I'm year. Sorry, no, King John was earlier. King John oh, was a couple of years earlier, I believe. Oh. I apologize for that. Jesus Christ. No. We had to pretend that it was like Monty Python pretending we were on the horses. I, you were great. You did uh, such a good job up. with that. Oh, stop it. You really it. did. Stop it. I, I know you were embarrassed King by Lear it. That somewhere. was that I was you her- King Lear someplace. I did King Lear a couple of years afterwards. You were the fool uh, in that. Yeah, that was the first thing that that Kate ever saw me in when uh we started dating. And I remember we we were playing the fool in that production as a severely mentally handicapped young boy. Like I walked, I had this weird walk, I had a weird voice. And it really, it was an interesting choice for the character and it sort of worked, but I'm like, Jesus Christ. I remember Kate brought her family to see it. And, you know, we're in like this little shitty off off broadway theater above the westway diner and i'm like this, yes, you know, Kate's the like, yeah this yeah. is my my new boyfriend the actor and oh, i was like oh, uncle uncle it was very weird but <laughs> no this around this time i was what i the most exciting thing for me this week i remember and we'll talk about this was was going to see star wars oh yeah 
you know, yeah. and I, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about that more, but like that, I remember really vividly, mm-hmm. but everything else. And I think maybe cause it was, it was a bit of a transition time for me because but earlier, I think earlier in the year, that fall, we had done Hamlet, Jason, right? I uh, believe. That, and that's coming up. No. Yeah, we did I don't it. In, think so. We did it in like your Hamlet, where yeah. you played Hamlet. That was like uh, September of, of 97. Oh, wow. What? Okay. It no. was. It was late. <laughs> I, yes, I know. It was. It was later this year. It wasn't 96, it was 97. Wait, hold on. This is going to be boring and we're going to cut. Well, we'll cut it's all okay, this. But it was 97. I've been going crazy. No, I thought I did. <laughs> no. I don't think. I know I did it October. You it might was, have. It was in October of, of, of 97. 96. It, no. I'm telling you, man, it wasn't because I finished it and then I, I went right to another job in, <laughs> uh, in Binghamton. I went and I did Importance of Being Earnest right after we finished The Hamlet in 97. What? I don't yeah. know where I don't I uh, it was okay. it was 97 I remember cuz that's when I met uh that's when that's when I met oh what was her name Anne Marie Anne Marie Higgins yeah. Yes 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 yes. Yes. This it has was, been Senility Corner on the opening weekend. <laughs> no, I remember I remember because it's next the, week it's on the, Senility Corner. What year is this year? What was I? I don't know. I feel like I, I need to stop and run and go look at photo albums and figure out what the fuck I was doing now. But nobody really cares. <laughs> Only Damon. Only you and Damon care yeah. what you were doing. Suds this, might this care. Week. Suds might peripherally Suds. care. I don't know what I was doing. I, I think I was doing. Jesus Christ. Oh, God. I'm so fucking. I, I, I'm, this is. I, I, Let's think of other movies around this time, and maybe you'll remember where you were. Uh, do you remember when you saw Private Parts? Do you remember? Were you were you employed? Were you? Uh, oh wait, were we all working you. at um? Were we all working at the uh, the Feld Ballet? The um, <gasps> that's one of the things I was doing right now. What was that job? That was like watching little boys take their clothes off. Oh. I talk about I talk about that in Dork Night too, like working at that uh, at the uh, the Feld Ballet. And was that around now, the film LA? It was, I did it. Yeah, it was winter of 97. And so. yeah, and our jobs were basically just to make sure the kids got, again, this is one of those things. Make sure where the like, kids didn't kill each other. Today, that would not be a job. Today, you, no. I mean, <laughs> rigorous background check. They would never do it. They no, would never the be like, are is- you almost 30? Do you want to sit in this room with all <laughs> these little boys while they change clothes? <laughs> And then when they go to class, you'll sit with their their clothes and their underwear. And that was it. That was our job. That was the whole job. But here's the thing. And it was like we said a couple episodes ago with Princeton Review. You're like, oh, where do you work? I work at Princeton Review. Oh, do you do test prep? Are you a teacher? Are you a tutor? No, I'm a Dewey. I'm a guy who drives a van and shells books. (laughs) Then you're like, oh, I work at the Feld Ballet at Ballet Tech. Oh, are you a dance instructor? Do you? No, I I work with the kids. Oh, you teach the kids? No, I just sit in a room with them. Oh, do you mentor them? No, they make fun of me because I'm a grown man sitting in the room while they change their their dance belts and shit. I mean, uh, I, the, the abuse I took from those kids. I'm I'm remembering this now. Did you ever oh have God. to sort of crack the crack the the uh, you know drop the hammer and say like, hey, hurry up or stop yes, messing around they, or anything? They like didn't that? listen to me. They smelled the fear as oh, soon wow. as I walked in there. They smelled. And I remember our friend Greg Kuba worked there. Yeah, Kuba was there. Greg, he, he walked in. And right, I mean, I guess right off the bat, he was like, no, 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 no. That shit's not going to fly with me. And yeah. they <gasps> fucking respected him. And wow. Greg Kuba said, jump. They said, how high? Me, I walked in right off the bat. They were like, fuck 
fuck you. And they just oh. laughed. They made fun of me. I mean, it was just, it was, it was humiliating. They was humiliating. Were, I, re- I don't remember them. Be- I don't remember having that kind of antagonistic relationship with the kids, but it was like they really like me. But it was, <laughs> mine was like nothing. It was like I was a ghost walking. Through. It was like I, I, like was revisiting a place that I had been as a living person and just, they were just passing through my spectral form. I mean, I I did not exist. It was neither good nor bad, but thinking makes it so there was nothing. I was nothing to them. You know what I did as well uh, around that time? I remember very vividly is I took a huge steaming shit. Oh boy. And then I saw meet Wally Sparks. Oh, that was my segue. <laughs> we didn't talk about what I did. All we talked oh, about was that we literally just dick. talked about me supporting your your timeline. Oh, you know, anything you else I was doing. I thought, I thought that was the Feld Ballet song. I'm wow, sorry, what that, were you it doing? It was Feld Ballet. No, that's What were you true. doing? I apologize. No, I did. Who cares? <laughs> this was, we really spent way too much time on this, on Memory Lapse Theater. No, I was oh, a person... It was 1997. <laughs> Meet Wally Sparks. Meet America's favorite talk show host, Wally Sparks. Wally Sparks is an idiot. Wally Sparks? I tell you what I think about Wally Sparks. Wally Sparks is still on TV. Now, folks, you hear about this? You hear that Wally Sparks is actually sleeping in Governor Preston's bedroom. The only problem is Wally says the governor's wife keeps hogging all the covers. <laughs> Guess who's back? Just take those old records where he doesn't belong. What did I tell the guys I had you in my cab? First of all, you never had me. And if you did have me, it wouldn't be in a cab. Rodney Dangerfield is... Lucky Sparks? Why do you say we all get naked and see who the best man is? No! Wally Sparks, played by Rodney Dangerfield, goes out of his way to shock and offend fans of his lowbrow, Jerry Springer-like talk show. When Wally goes after one of his chief critics, the Southern Governor Floyd Preston, played by David Ogden Stiers, misadventures ensue for the tactless TV personality. Rather than rage against the dying of the light, Dangerfield's career passively slips into the cold abyss of death, the memory of its former vitality fading like the light of one faint, barely burning ember. Sleep now. Sleep. Meet Wally Sparks made $2.1 million over its opening weekend on its way to a worldwide total of only $4 million. Fred and Dan, how would you choose to eulogize Meet Wally Sparks? Guys, I didn't think I could hate a movie more than Baby's Day Out. <laughs> Baby's Day Out, I- I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it to you, Dan. It had a cute baby. Thank you. Finally. The baby was cute. It did. Uh, and this is all like after watching this movie. This is what I'm thinking. Right. I'm thinking, oh, you know, baby's day out. The, the baby was cute. I hated it. I wanted to stab myself in the, the scrotum <laughs> repeatedly watching it. But it was trying to be okay. It was at least trying to do something. It was like maybe it was being. It was like a a, a cartoon. It was just trying to be a live action cartoon. And Disorderlies was as if you've you've called it, Jason, is like a snuff film. <laughs> <laughs> But okay, at least it was like it was like, all right, we're gonna do a spin on the three stooges. Yeah. This I, I, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I, there was one point where I just I stopped watching. 
I said, I'm not going to finish this. And I said, mm-hmm. and, and I was going to defend that choice and say, and I don't care. And right. you can lambast me for being at a movie podcast and not seeing the movie. Uh, and I will admit, I fast forwarded through a bunch at one point. Cause I was like, holy shit, it's still going. <laughs> it, it was I, in the immortal words of my favorite film critic, Dan Matisse, Fuck this movie. <laughs> this was horrendous. It was terrible. Uh, it it, it could have been, there could have been some great social satire here, which yeah. I think they were, that's what they were aiming for. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I thought at the first, it starts and it's ugly. It's an ugly movie. The credit yes. sequence is ugly. Like it's visually unplayed. And I don't mean it's ugly because the subject matter is ugly or because trash TV is ugly. I mean, it's like, Hard to watch the screen like this yes, weird agreed. cartoon font. The composition of the frames is bad. Like the credit sequence was annoying and ugly. And I was Felt like, the I same way. I was like, I can't watch this. It's inept. It was really <laughs> inept. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but when you start thinking and then you're like, oh, well, this is kind of interesting. At first I was like, well, I guess he's like supposed to be a Morton Downey Jr. type guy. But then right. Morton Downey yes. Jr. himself speaks to the camera and Jerry Springer speaks to the camera and Sally Jesse Raphael and they all know him and he's the worst of the worst. And they all comment on how, you know, they're Richard Bay. They're all like, a, you know, <laughs> a, a step above Wally Sparks. He is the, the the basement level. Right. And I thought, well, that's. Okay, that's interesting. And right away, I was like, I'm not enjoying looking at this. My eyes are not happy, but there might be, (laughs) like you say, Fred, like some sort of social satire within this kind of either parody of or look at one of these types of television hosts. Um, And then it almost like forgets that it's about that at all. Like I kind of for like a huge chunk of the movie the fact that he has a TV show is like not part of it anymore. It's just this weird sitcom about him living in this rich Southern governor's house and, you know, having prostitutes in and whatever. And half of it like leading up to there was just, it it was almost like they said, Hey, my favorite part of Caddyshack (gasps) is the scene where he comes to the dance (laughs) and he's just walking around. If there were any doubt as to what the gestational life of this movie must have been, (laughs) <laughs> as far as it, someone seeing Caddyshack. Well, the screenplay is by is by Rodney Dangerfield and yes. somebody else. Right. So yeah. it's like those two went, huh? What do people like me most in and remember me most from? Oh, right, Caddyshack. What? Where was I funniest in there? Oh, when I was sort of doing the the you know the guy who um, is uh, the man out of place, right? Yeah. He's, he's he's making fun of the snobs, as you said, Fred, at the dinner. Well, anyway, today I just stick to real estate. You know, with the market these days, if you own anything but land, you own a popcorn fire. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh somebody's stepping a dark <laughs> But as if there was any doubt as to whether that was, was what they were doing, David Ogden Styers says the line, the man's a menace. <laughs> does he? Does yes, he? Yes, he does. Oh God. He I didn't starts the scene with that. it, with his little sort of Smithers type <laughs> sidekick. He goes, the man's a menace. And I went, oh fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. <laughs> the man's a menace. The worst wig I've ever seen in my entire life on Burt Reynolds. Oh, this was oh, the yeah. same year yeah. that Boogie Nights came out. Yeah, right. I know. Ten my months God. later, he's in Boogie Nights. I just Incredible. Thought, Revitalizing how did, his career. How did 
Bert watch any of this and be like, oh yeah, the hair looks great. Good job. Like it looked, re- it looked like something crawled <laughs> I, on his He must head not have watched the daily. He must have been like, I, I can't waste another second looking at this. No. He looked in a mirror at the right angle. He was like, this will do. And then he turns around and you see like the tag hanging off of it. Like yeah. it's a mini Pearl's hat practically. I mean, it's really bad. <laughs> I'm sure he shot all of his scenes in one day and was like, we good? Good. See That's you later. It. Like That's he true left because he's barely in the thing. All and these the brilliant cameos. Oh, yeah. Oh, my Tony God. Danza, they got everybody. Ron Tony Jeremy. Danza, everybody. And poor Cindy Williams. Oh, she's not a cameo. She comes out of retirement poor for that fucking thing. She's Cindy in the, the biggest part she's had since Shirley, and it's this. And she's naked. She's like practically naked on a piano. Dancing. Oh. That, that scene was. That scene made that was, this into a very low Sheila movie for me. It, I was going to be that like. That scene did it? I was gonna, yes. I was, go, <laughs> I was toying with the idea of it being middling. And then that scene mm-hmm. happened. Well, tell us about this movie, Meet Wally Sparks. Uh, yeah. Oh, why talk about that? <laughs> I just, you just no, plugged well, everything well, else. I thought you'd want to plug the movie, no, Rodney. The, the movie, when you're plugging uh, the website, I thought plug the movie as yeah, well. So the movie is, uh, well, every time you make a movie, you think you're making Gone with the Wind, you know? Mm-hmm. And you're kidding yourself. Your realization never lives up to the anticipation. No, is that deep, huh? This yeah. movie is an hour and 45 minutes long. Holy it's an shit. hour 45. Why? It's an hour 43 too long. <laughs> Broadway Danny Rose was an hour 25. This is yeah. an hour and 45 so is minutes. Guffman's an, an hour 25. an hour and 23, yeah. Lean and mean. Lean and mean. Or this Louis thing. Arquette in both movies. I know, as the cardinal in this. the cardinal Lewis in Arquette. this. I know. Yeah. Ridiculous. I was like, God, he was in maybe one of like the best movies of this year and one of had, the worst. Yeah, he had a very good day and a very bad day simultaneously. Jesus Christmas. And then and, and uh, the, the other thing about Burt Reynolds that stuck out was at the end when he starts to lose his shit, he has the line, and I wrote them down because he's getting angry at, you know, what Wally Sparks is doing, and his lines are, you're an idiot, you're stupid. That's it. Yeah. Yes, that that's it. right. It was yeah. so bad. It you're was an like, idiot. You're it was stupid. Like, that's good writing. Oh yeah, my, was says, that the was writing right. or was that, was yeah. that Bert just improvising? Well, that probably I was. That's about so. as good as he could do. You've <sighs> seen the outtakes from Smokey and the Band. He's not great when left to his own devices. Uh, it was, you know, my, my little description at the beginning about the, about the, the dying embers. I mean, this was like the Rodney Dangerfield farewell tour. It's like he wrote himself a movie. Yeah. It's the worst thing he's probably ever been. I haven't seen Ladybugs, but I imagine this is the worst <laughs> thing he's ever been in. And yet it seems like a, it was like a, it was like a million cameos, a lot of people doing impressions of him. It was like saying, yeah, that was fair, the whole thing. It was like a yeah. big farewell to Michael like a, Bolton. An homage to, Michael, Michael Bolton, Bolton does an impression does of him. a Dangerfield impression in the middle <laughs> of this it, thing. He does a better Dangerfield than Dangerfield at some point. And oh, talk about bad hair. Does, Michael Bolton like literally just got pulled out of a shower and he was like, who died? And they were like, we need you for this scene. <laughs> uh, you can see his hair plugs. You can see them. Oh, in the God. Yeah, that, the, the 90s hair between um, the kid who was terrible. That kid. Ooh. What? What accent? What was his accent? He was trying to do... Can you do a do southern it? accent? And he was like... Ah, rah, 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 rah. He, <laughs> he could barely talk. <laughs> One good line in the movie, and it's Cindy Williams' line, when she says to David Ogden's tires, you're being patriotic in your sleep again. That was a very funny line. <laughs> from his, oh, uh, and that- David Ogden's tires is a great actor because he actually invests the relationship yeah. with the son there at the end. Like, yeah. he somehow carries his his dignity with him through this movie he comes out he the other side 
more or less unscathed yeah. as a, a human and yeah, an actor. Yeah, yeah I'll, like, I'll give you he's that. He's not embarrassing he, in he it. He looks he's okay. Dumb. And Cindy Williams actually is okay mm-hmm. until that scene yeah. where you just, you, I just, I felt so awful for all yeah. three of those women that they had to do that. I just right. felt awful for myself for having to watch it. <laughs> I know. It, it really was. It did make you feel bad for all of them, for everybody uh, involved. But you're right, Jason. It wasn't, it wasn't even like, it wasn't filmed well. It wasn't staged. The scenes weren't staged well, the way no. they were shot. The credits were, I thought the same thing when I saw the credits. I just thought, oh my God, this looks like the credits I made for like my home movies <laughs> back in the 80s. Who's it was the man who got, who got pissed off when he gets pissed on. <laughs> It was the He's same Rodney guy who did the, the credit sequence for this. No, that was, those were much better. They're Thank much you. better. The storytelling the, was much clearer. The, uh, the Less little, piss. The, sorry. <laughs> the little sequence, actually, that you mentioned where, where he, where Rodney Tangelfield pretends to be the great grandfather, I actually thought that was a clever little thing that they did. You know, mm. I wasn't really laughing, but I was like, oh, that's kind of fun. <laughs> he's behind the sheer curtain. He's yeah. got the he's got the 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 beard on because he had just been in disguise and he looks exactly, exactly like the painting of the great grandfather over the bed. I was like, oh, that's cute and clever, but it didn't go anywhere. They didn't do anything fun with it, except for that one line, Jason. You're absolutely right. You're yeah. being patriotic and you're asleep again. This funny. thing, you know, was, was just uh unfortunate from from beginning to end but i was rooting for it because i like dangerfield so much i wanted it to, i kept going oh this will be fun. no it's not oh this will this might save it no it didn't oh this will be good no i felt no. the same way in the beginning i thought for it first first of all it was a nice throwback yeah. because when it started and you see all those yeah. talk show hosts, those daytime talk shows and talk soup and yeah, I, I just era. forgot yeah i forgot that they were everywhere and i thought again Oh, okay. So this is going to be a little social satire. Yeah. Oh, I, I had no idea that it was a talk. You know, I knew nothing about this movie I mean, going in. I, made, I, like, I didn't look it up. I didn't, nothing. I don't even remember when it came out. Yeah. So I was the same way. I thought, oh, maybe this is, you know, I, I, I'm sure it's not going to be great, but maybe it'll be interesting. Yeah. And um, <laughs> the only other person my... who comes out okay on the other end of this thing is Debbie Mazur. I thought she comes out. Yeah, I felt bad for her too. I felt bad for her because she had a bit. She's such, a, she's such an attractive woman. Here's yet another thankless role. How many movies have we seen her in where she's like in the thankless role of yeah. like managing basically somebody's caretaker slash yeah, manager right. in a terrible right. movie? You know, she's she's a lovely presence and she's, you know, yeah. she's been in a lot of bad movies. Yeah. She's been in Goodfellas, but she's also been in a lot of bad movies. Yeah. 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 <sighs> How, How many, many filthy shields are you going to give this one? <laughs> I'm going to give it a zero. I don't give it any shields. Oh, come on. You got to come on. There's, look, I'm looking at my notes, and at least four <laughs> times I wrote, fuck this movie. <laughs> I give it one half of one Sheila, or rather a, a, a half a cardamom pancake for David Ogden Stiers, who I was like, boy, he's a really good actor. Up against the wall in something terrible, and he's bringing emotional truth. And then, you know, and again, that son, oof. Not good, and he's got, oh. and and he he musters what he's got. So I get it's all for him, and a little bit of Cindy. Nice to see Cindy Williams again, but that's literally it. What about the part where he breaks off the wang from the statue and puts it in his pocket, and then he's walking around like he has the heart on the whole time? Oh. Funny, Awful. 
No, not no, at all. That wasn't funny. That <laughs> not didn't at work. all. Uh, it was telegraphed from the moment you see the statue. You're like, oh, there's a huge dick. What's yeah, that going to do? How's just, that going to wind up in his hand, mouth, or ass? <laughs> and it just went on and on and on and on forever. Oh, it was really bad. God. <laughs> if you give this movie any more than two shields, I'm, I'm smelling like four, he's going to come up. Like yeah, I'm four thinking shields. four. No, oh, I think God. I'm thinking I'm in the, the four. Wrong with I you. don't understand. You're, you're, you're exhausting. Listen, you're exhausting. Here are the, here are the movies that this is better than. A that Demi Moore thing. B <laughs> B the Randall Battenkopf whatever the hell that was. Four kids. No. Yeah. no. C the uh, McGlone. No, no, I would, I would, I, oh God, I would watch She's the, the One over release. and over again before this. No, 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 I would watch, I would watch this a million times before She's the One. Are you kidding? No. Oh my no. God. Um, uh, oh, I'm going to put, what I give Blade Runner? Runner? Same thing. <laughs> oh. I'm kidding. 3.5. 3.5, Jesus. I wanted, wow. I wanted Han to shoot me first <laughs> watching this. I was like, very, please, very well. someone, someone shoot me first. Nicely done. <laughs> very God. well done. Ah, uh, yes. Let's, let's, uh, let's pivot to Star Wars Special Edition. For an entire generation, people have experienced Star Wars the only way it's been possible on the TV screen. But if you've only seen it this way, you haven't seen it at all. Now, for its 20th anniversary, the adventure of a lifetime returns to the big screen in a way you've never seen before. There'll be no one to stop us this time. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. A farm boy joins forces with a homeless man, a cocky pilot, a large dog-like ape, and two robots to save a princess and the galaxy from the clutches of the mysterious Doctor Doom. That's right. <laughs> it's, it's regular old Star Wars, but with a fancy and often unnecessary new coat of paint. George Lucas is to his own classic space opera what Michael Jackson was to his own face, tragically incapable of not fucking with it. <laughs> Made myself laugh. <laughs> Lucas. <laughs> Lucas spent $10 million reworking his original film, as compared with $2.5 million apiece for Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, which followed A New Hope to the 1997 box office in February and March, respectively. Touted as a restoration of Lucas's original vision, the special editions were really more of an elaborate special effects test for Lucas's CGI-laden prequels and a cultural test to gauge audience appetite for more Star Wars. In the end, the force of nostalgia was strong with Star Wars Special Edition, which earned $36 million over its opening weekend and $138.2 million over the course of its theatrical run, all of which is included in Star Wars' lifetime box office take of $775 million. Fred and Dan, what did you guys think of Star Wars Special Edition? Well, the, the most annoying thing about it is that to this day... And God, I hope that at some point this changes. To this day, you can't go back and see unless you have it on VHS or a laser disc or something like that or some bootleg. Mm -hmm. You can't go back and see this movie the way you saw it in 1977. No, you you, there, there's that. a DVD. I don't know if it's. A, I have it. No, I just said unless you have a a a, a version of it that ha that has it. 
that had you, you this was never released on DVD. It would have to be a bootleg. No. And and I'll tell you why, because when I knew when 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 Ben, my son, was five years old, I was like, all right, that's when I want him to watch Star Wars. He's, he he knew about it because I'm like, but that's when I saw it. So my friend Jeff Bender in the show, I talked to him about it, and I was saying that I really want him to see the original. And I have the original on, I have a box set of the VHS tapes. Me too. And I was like, yeah, I was like, I got to figure out if I can find like a VCR to play it. And he said, well, I have the original on DVD. And in, I think it was in 2011, they released. And so I have all three of them because he lent them to me and I forgot to give them back to him. And then he moved to Florida. So I still have them. If you're listening, Jeff, I'm sorry, I'll send them to you. So I have all three movies and it's, it's a two disc set in each one that has the original theatrical version and then the special edition version. And it's in widescreen? Yeah, yeah. Oh, my god! They're both in widescreen. This is so the that first was the whole... I've ever heard anyone even talk about the existence of a DVD version of the 77. Yeah, because um, that was the thing, because I wanted release. Ben. I was like, I want my kids to see the original. Yes, Greedo. As a matter of fact, I was just going to see your boss. Tell Jabba that I've got his money. Um, you know, if you didn't tell me that Greedo shot first, I'd never pick that up. My eyes are not fast enough to know who shoots who or who shoots at. For for my money, whether it's the way we saw it or this way, they they essentially fire at the same time. It it is it is clear that Han Solo's intent is to fire. He's not reacting to Greedo's shooting. He's he he unbuckles the yeah <laughs> he unbuckles yeah. the gun he's gonna shoot him and whether greedo shoots or not he's gonna shoot greedo so i don't i don't see the benefit of switching it and i don't see the benefit of really arguing about the fact that it makes han solo weaker i don't think it does because Doesn't at all, to no. me they shoot at this basically the same time so no lucas should not have fucked with it because it's pointless but also it doesn't do anything to the character of Han Solo to me. Did, did you watch the that video I sent you that kind of goes through methodically yes. like the, the I different- I didn't, I'm sorry. No, no. It's a, no, 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 it's okay. But it's so funny because they've made so many versions of it now. Yeah. Since, oh. since the backlash, now the version you saw, Dan, yeah. it is simultaneous pretty much because ah, there was backlash that's to the, most the recent version, clearly yeah. Greedo shot first and then Han shot. So they've keep like kind of compressing it, which is so okay. stupid. It's, it's like dumb. a way of saving face instead of just saying, oh yeah, that doesn't really work. Okay. Like when, like a few years after this, you know, the special edition craze was, you know, so, so Spielberg went back and did a special oh, edition, a digitized yeah. thing of E.T. And he took all the guns out Made of the, flashlights. the so guy's stupid. hands as before the bicycles go in the air. Right. He took the guns out because, oh, the, the peril with children around it. It's, you know, it's like, oh, that's inappropriate. I guess now that all these directors have kids and they're like, oh, I shouldn't have yeah. ever suggested that an adult could have a gun in the presence of a child. So yeah. then they made it big walkie talkies or something. And yeah. Spielberg said, I regret that. Forget that version existed. You know, he was like, no, the oh. way to watch. You, I don't even think I have the DVD of the special edition of E.T. because that's how they released it at the time I bought it. Yeah, but yeah. there's nowhere that you watch that version of the movie anymore. I think it just is the original 82 version. So now. in other words, he's back to saying how it originally came out is is, is fine. i think that's spielberg's take but lucas okay. is really holding on and i think again it's the idea of oh han solo is a hero so he shouldn't 
he should only shoot in self-defense but it's like no that's the whole point you've built a beautiful character who is like we're he's a gunslinger he's this fucking rogue he's this gunslinger exactly and it's like it's the wild west and now you're going to put this farm boy with this guy and they're going to go out there and god knows what's going to happen and and it also gives him you know it it just adds to han's arc now you're right dan it's so slight as to be negligible but the idea that it had you know but but the the thing that's at work in his mind that's what you're saying is Right. But that's what you're sorry. That's what you're saying. The one in '97, it wasn't that negligible. It was. Okay. There, it was. Yes, yes, yes. shoots. It's very clear. They digitize hands, head to move. Yeah, moving out of the way. Then, oh and then wow! You're yeah, kidding. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's oh, no, really no, 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 bad. No. It was. Oh, it was. See, it was. It was awful. really stupid, and and oh, it just Jesus. wasn't necessary. And did they put an extra little tiny? cut in there where he's like you know greedo so i also think they changed the, the way the look of the subtitles they look terrible they now. did they oh, absolutely yeah. they did look yeah awful they used yeah. to look really cool um but the, you know greedo says uh you know that's the point or whatever you know that it's because it, it, he says something like you're gonna you're gonna have to kill me and greedo says that's the plan or that's the point or something then we then we get like a weird sort of almost in frame close-up of greedo where he goes or something like that and that's then, new so you you that's saw new right you saw the disneyfied version you saw, you saw the disney the plus version right version. okay did, See, you, did you watch it on disney plus yeah and that looked yeah, okay, terrible so that, as soon as i was as soon as i saw that i was like that doesn't belong there that's new that's an that's even newer version new. yeah they added the mcclunky for this disney plus version i don't even know what you're talking about he that's said what he it says is. something that's the thing he says when the close-up like, is McClunky. on he said mcclunky and people are making wild fun of it I read something that said it was because Sebulba in episode one says McClunky at some point to Anakin. And so that they want to track that McClunky is like a a slang phrase or something. Yeah. Or something. Yeah. Yeah. No, the 97 one, that is not there. And it's just the, 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 the shots are spaced farther apart. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Are you saying to me right now (laughs) that these dumb fucks, this isn't Lucas now. Now this is Disney doing this. Yeah. I, I don't know. I think Lucas still has his hand think, in it. I, I these, can only imagine that this that Lucas still has control over them, but maybe he doesn't. These maybe fools not. are still to this day worried about whether or not these fucking things fit with the prequels. <laughs> oh, sure. Someone is still concerned about whether the original trilogy fits with the what is what are universally recognized <laughs> as three terrible, <laughs> terrible <laughs> movies that shouldn't exist. Someone is still concerned about this. I guess so. I guess I'm, so. I'm, I'm, I'm getting rid of my Disney Plus. My the, you know, the infamous scene oh, with Ron and Jabba. That was, that was filmed originally, you know, with an actor. Declared, I've seen that. Where Holland. would I have seen that footage? That you was might- on. The, they, did, they did a making of Star Wars right okay. before Empire came out. Yeah. That yeah, we've yeah, talked okay. about, that we both have. Yeah, yeah. So that's, and you can watch that scene on YouTube. So the version... So they add, so that that one I'll give I'll give George Lucas a little you know some room there because that was a scene that he originally wanted in the movie and they only took it out because they couldn't afford the special effects to make the Jabba so I say okay I'll give that to you but the version that you saw Dan the Jabba is much better in the ninety seven version the Jabba looks terrible that's the thing it's I'm ridiculous. saying at the beginning when I say that I'm doing that open <laughs> the cold open thing and it's like it is like this gelatin it's like a jello mold it looks so 
bad the job it of the still hut. looks and really bad it you guys. does no but picture but that like a hundred times worse yeah. it looked terrible many times worse imagine yeah. try to imagine that <laughs> did you see it when it was in the theater Dan, yeah, oh, when the, for the sure. special edition for sure and i think yeah. when i saw but it's it hard i was to remember like, the thing this yeah. is awful this is awful this is awful but for 97 it was out. like eh, it's something you know it looked bad it but was it was like fun. oh it's cool that it's there it's nice but, to see it in a theater again yeah but, well here's the thing that's what i was gonna say to me you know, we've talked about Star Wars, and we know it's it's it's, it's all a ten Sheila for us. Or I think you gave it a nine Sheila. Uh, I gave it Jason. a nine because Empire is a ten, and I, oh, gotcha. I think okay. it's less than it's it's slightly less than 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 Empire. But, but anyway, what go I ahead. what I come back to with this movie, and, and what I mentioned in the beginning of one of the few things that I did remember about this time in my life was to me, I, I remember so vividly going to see this, and I thought you were there, damn it, I guess not. Uh, we saw it together, right, Jason? I'm sure we did. Yeah, because yeah. we saw it. It was at opening night at the Ziegfeld. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. we saw it midnight. We saw the midnight showing. I feel like I saw it in Florida with my buddies down there, yeah. Okay, I think it was like me, you, maybe Jonas, Jim Bowden. Jim Bowden was there, uh, and I think maybe. Cara Lynn was there. Maybe, mm-hmm. I don't Carlin know. But there. I just remember the excitement and waiting online oh, yeah. and run. you know, when they, that, this is before you could reserve seats. Oh, yeah. So they opened the doors and <laughs> we so ran in. exciting, so fun. And, oh, and we did that for each one. Every time they re-released one, we did that, you know, we hit the midnight showing and it just brought back just the waves of nostalgia. I mean, it was just, that was the best. I mean, it, I, I remember that as such a... I mean, we I, it we reignited all, like, we had, my love for Star Wars. Yeah, I mean, I always yes, loved absolutely. Star Wars as a kid, but then it gets to the point where you're an adult and you haven't really, they're not quote unquote cool anymore. Or you don't yeah. watch them. I think I watched them with you it, when we were working at Fort Salem one summer. I think we had like the, you, you had the VHSs and we watched them in, yes. that, in that cat piss trailer that we lived yes. in at Fort Salem. <laughs> and that might have been the last time that I sat and watched the Star Wars movies between you know before the the special editions you know it was just a few years but it was exciting in a whole new way and i remember buying the getting the soundtracks the remastered soundtracks on cd Mm -hmm. for all the stuff and i would i was like really again it was brilliant what they did because what i said in the description is true i mean yes you can say like oh i always wanted to tweak things and this and that but no he was gonna do i mean two years later Phantom Menace comes out. They're in process on a prequel trilogy, and they're trying to prime the pump and get interest going, and and see if there is the interest to invest the time and money and and everything else in in a whole new trilogy of of films. And I kind of was surprised by how big the the nostalgia phenomenon was, how 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 well the re releases did, oh, yeah. how much I was sucked into them, how how yeah. I was just that whole year I was just like all about. Star Wars. Me I went too. and I saw all of those movies in the theater at least a couple times again. I bought the, you know, when the special edition came out as a VHS set later that year, I bought it. I had the CDs. I was like, I was all in on Star Wars and super hyped for Phantom Menace, you know, and remember, it did its job. It did its I remember job. turning to Jonas afterwards because we saw it. I remember as soon as it started, like, I feel like we all just like burst into tears as soon as you see that a long time ago in the galaxy. And there's like, it waits for just a second too long. And then. And like, just the the theater erupted. It was just a, bunch of wild you know whatever 20 something year olds just screaming their heads off and 
hears, and, and I remember turning to Jonas and saying, you know, th- this is my childhood. And this was almost that moment where it, it was like we were allowed to embrace this nostalgia and this stuff yeah. that we loved. Well, and suddenly it was like, no, you know what? Wave that freak flag. Go I ahead. Think <laughs> you're, I think you're right because I, I made a note here where I was like, nothing I wrote the best thing about the special editions are the way they made you feel, right? The nostalgia yeah. of it. It, yeah. was, it was thick. It was delicious. And, and I feel like nothing had ever fed an audience's or a community's nostalgia more directly than saying, we're going to like clean up these movies that you love. We're going to give them big, shiny new releases. We're going to, you know, the promotional tours, everything. It was like, it was a big deal. It was as if they yeah. were new movies. And I think, I think it's the reason not only that we had... Star Wars prequels, Star Wars sequels. I think it's the reason we have a million different spin-offs and reimaginations of things. I think it's I think it's why we've got yeah. a Batman Begins and a whole, and why why Batman keeps getting resurrected. I think it's why we have the MCU. I think it's why there's a Picard show and and I think it's why there's Fuller House and all these fucking <laughs> things where it's like like the idea Cobra of going Kai. back to the well. Yeah, you're right. Not just saying like remember like here's the original and yeah. and did remember how much you liked it because it's not just giving you the original it's saying it they know they have to give you there's the draw of nostalgia with a promise of something new like it wouldn't have been as I, we're saying everything they added we can pretty much say you could take that out and we would have enjoyed it just as right. much or more yeah. but the thing that got asses into the seats was you're going to see Jabba the Hutt. There's a, look, look at that cool shot of the X-Wings flying toward, you know, seeing the Millennium th- Falcon take off in yeah. Los Eisley. That was all these great. cool little extras are what, you know, it's that idea of seeing, seeing the old with a new spin on it. It, it was really, it tapped into something that is still, you know, again, it's, it's, they're still mining it for all it's worth, not just with Star Wars, with Star Trek, with superheroes, with everything. Uh, and I think it's, you know, I, and I enjoy that stuff. So I, I you know, I'm well, sure I, some people would say it's like the, the decline of civilization. I like it. I, I, yeah, I never thought of it that way. And I, I guess you're right. There's really no avoiding the fact that this was the precursor to all of that and which I, is funny because it was the precursor to what you know the, the people go back and say star wars was the movie that changed everything in terms of yeah, you know the blockbusters, blockbusters and yeah. how movies are made and then it did it again <laughs> i guess you're right Decades later. God, i guess you're right i never th- i never thought of it that way but it, it is so simple it's like here's the here's the old with something new added i just think that so little of the new in this works because it even the, even the millennium falcon taking off from moss eisley doesn't look right it doesn't look like it fits in this movie even when he turns the corner when he's fighting the stormtroopers he's gonna yeah. run after him and goes ah han solo and there's 10 bajillion stormtroopers i that hate that look yeah, right. it, like that it doesn't look right you guys so i'm yeah. like no i agree I with get you it. And I, don't, it, I don't get you know and it doesn't it, just look right because of the a, effect it looks bad because it's like well now that's too many now that's exactly. just, and, and it just not, doesn't moving right <laughs> doing they're anything not, they're right. not moving correctly so so you know what was fun for me about this rewatch was just listening. You know, me I mentioned too. I, I kind of mm. mentioned, you know, mentioned the other day, uh, uh, the other day, months ago, about when when I <laughs> was, when we were watching Raiders of the Lost Ark, and I took some time to just listen. And just listening to this movie, you catch so many more things in the dialogue because your eyes are darting around the screen, looking, look, you're you're a looky loo looking at all these movies. But if you just listen. There's so many, this is contrary to popular belief. This is a well-written movie. 
it's far better script than any of the prequels, which are also written by Lucas. You know, this is this is a this movie folds in a lot of things that are not just clever, but tell you everything you need to know about the characters within the dialogue. The scene between Obi-Wan and Luke, when he's got the blast shield in front of his face, he says, how can I see to fight? Everything you need to know about the Force, everything you need to know about their relationship, everything you need to know about his dad, mm. you know, you're watching Alec Guinness um, basically lie. I mean, we know now, I don't know if he knew then that Darth Vader and Luke's father were the same person, but, you know, just I always watching wondered that about whole that. scene, yeah, watch, watching that whole scene, you get so much great info, great acting, and great writing if you just listen to what's happening there. And then you catch all kinds of neat little things like... Somebody says one one three eight at some point, and you go, "Oh, that's a that's a nod to THX one one three eight." You know what I noticed for the first that. time this time? I, I've never, never got this. I never realized this that, and I don't know why. But just again, just listening again, say, yeah. it was when uh, R two takes off the bolt when when he asks Luke to take off the restraining yeah. bolt. It never dawned on me. I'm thinking, "Oh, R 2s getting one over on him." Yeah. Oh, He's for saying, sure. He's saying, yeah. take off the bolt yeah. and that I'll be able to play the message. Yep. But no, I'm just taking off because I got to get the fuck out of here. I feel so stupid. Uh, I never thought about this. Luke Skywalker. Luke S. Lucas. I never, ever put that together that he's naming <laughs> wow. the main character after himself. Wow. No. I never wow. put it together. And no, Kate was telling I. me uh, about this. She read something that Mark Hamill, when he was auditioning, he put that together. He's like, well, clearly... This is who, how he sees himself. So he played oh. the part in his audition like George Luke. He was like, he talked to the guy. He's like, he's like I'm going to basically kind of mimic him a little bit. And that was, he tried to like, mim- like kind of seduce Lucas by being Lucas. Oh my <laughs> God. So he's going to be like, I can see, I can really see myself. I can see myself <laughs> in that young man. <laughs> um, hey, here's a fun thing. And I just read about this. And it's not that watching the special edition brought it out. The uh, the chest that um, where Obi Wan gets uh, the, lightsaber. the lightsaber, the lightsaber from. yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you know that's the same chest that uh, Gene Hackman hides the kryptonite <gasps> from Superman in? And no. later. Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah, same production designer John Barry, and it's like a it's like you know how Neat. like props from like play you know like they go into storage yeah. and then comes into another. This was like a prop in England and got kind of put away. You know, that must have been a scene they did on set in London. It didn't have to be in Tunisia or whatever. And so it just went back into a, a prop closet and then got used the next year oh for Superman. Well, that'd be amazing if it just there. showed up in every, it was like the Wilhelm scream where like that box is in every single movie. Well, the, the horse that Meet Wally Sparks rides is one of the uh, Banthas. He's either a Bantha or a Gundark, one or the other. I will say, you're saying like, oh, well, the Jabba scene's cool because it was a scene that he originally intended. But the thing is, it is redundant because you get the information you need in the Greedo scene. You don't need any of that information. Of course you don't need it. I don't think it's a great scene, but I was like, all right, I'll give that to you because... Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because it was something you meant to finish at one point. I don't want to see them palling around. Jabba hates him. They're not pals. They're not pals. That's very true. And also, they filmed that scene. He didn't know what Jabba was going to look like. He didn't yeah. know what it was going to be. And then six years later, somebody's like, what if Jabba the Hutt looks like this? And he's like, that's awesome. And then he's like, I got to make that scene. How do I get an obese slug that can't move, that just sits on a, a fucking piece, a slab of cement and gets shoved around? How do I make him walk around a spaceship? I guess he just... 
can she just moves that slug like he's he's a little more svelte and he kind of can wrong size he's, he's much he's way too than harrison ford it makes no and then sense. harrison ford he has to walk behind shift. him and he's like and then he's got to like do this weird digital thing where he like walks up and over the tail to get Steps behind on him. the tail and that it's was supposed to be a comedy moment it looks really bad and here's the most egregious part they finish the scene and Han says, you're a wonderful human being. Human being. I thought about that, too, because I watched the original version with the actor, yes. and I thought, and that's where wait a minute, works. did they change that human being line for the special edition? Nope. And no. For an extra 15%, I'll give you a little extra time. But this is it. If you disappoint me again, I'll put a price in your head so big, you won't be able to go near a civilized system for the rest of your life. Jabba, you're a wonderful human being. They start to pander to the kids, whereas the first movie, you, mm-hmm. there was no pandering to the kids. No. Like Moss Eisley is a place. When I was a kid, that was scary to me. Mm. It's supposed to be. He says it's 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 a, a, a hive of scum and villainy. Right. And now they add a scene where yeah, it goes and the the short circuit you know is there and hitting down the other robot and there's silly Jawas falling and even the yeah. Jawa sequence in the original movie, the Jawas are are creepy and I feel like the stuff they added with the creatures. They were pandering to the kids. They're like, let's make it silly now. And, you know, that's what I, I think I always liked and respected. What, what I liked as a kid and then as an adult, I could respect about the original Star Wars that there wasn't there wasn't really any of that. They played everything mm. pretty straight. You know, there's no like, let's... They're not insulting anyone. They're not out yeah. to insult anybody's intelligence. It's not like, well, we have to do some, some slap sticky, you know, shtick here for the kids and... Yeah. yeah, so all that Moss Eisley stuff, which I, that was another part that I remember going into it, we were all excited about because sure. you always heard about George Lucas, you know, felt like he never really was able to expand on that as much. I was like, oh, cool, what's he going to do? And it just, it took away from it. it. It's too much. It makes it feel yeah. like too, it makes it feel too safe in a way. It's too sprawling. It's too, it, 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 do you know what I mean? It, like, yeah. it felt like a, a dingy spaceport. It felt like a place where you could get killed and nobody would know maybe you know for for a while and now it just feels too metropolitan and too i, I don't know if i don't know if that makes sense but it's too no, big. Totally, it just seems like too yeah too vast. So there's there's, too there's, there's safety in the vastness there's something yeah. about it that's uh yeah. although there is still that great line knock 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 the door's locked move along like it's the stupidest thing in the world yeah. <laughs> they wouldn't try to open it they wouldn't blast it open they're searching yeah. everywhere for the Death Star plans. They could be behind any door in any window. They would be dragging people into the streets. The door's locked. Move ahead. So fucking stupid. You know what also jumped out at me when uh, when they discovered the uh, the 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 Jawa, the Sandcrawler, which has been you know attacked, right? And uh, they think it's the Tusken Raiders. And and uh, Ben Kenobi says, you know, only Imperial stormtroopers are so precise. And that's sort of like the joke now that like the stormtroopers can't (laughs) shoot. They can't hit a barn door. Yeah, can't hit fucking anything. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, they're really precise. (laughs) Ridiculous. How many Sheilas? How many Sarlacc Sheilas would you give this one? I mean, I don't know how to do this because I love Star Wars so much, but I hate kind of everything he did to this. <laughs> like everything. But how much does that tweak it back for you? Ugh. From a 10, what? how much does that take off for you? Oh, you boy. Know? Yeah. Oh, boy. That's the... Get back to me. What do you guys say? Well, it's hard because... If I had never, if I didn't know the original, it's like you said, Dan, yeah. and this is, this is all, you know, like my kids, they don't, I was trying to explain and like, they didn't really give a shit. You know, they, they know, I don't think they remember 
So, but I mean, in the Jabba scene, it's kind of hard to remember. You know what I mean? If you're not like as familiar with these movies as we are, you might be like, but for me, for someone who, okay, I'll put it this way for someone who knows the theatrical cut very, very well Mm -hmm. and gave that a a 10, I'd give this one, knowing what I know, maybe a seven. I feel like that's about right. Yeah. That stuff brings it down to a seven. If nothing else, Greedo, Han, Greedo shooting first brings it down. The other stuff I can sort of forgive, but not really. But hmm. Greedo shooting first really ruins it for me. The Java scene is the is the ruinous thing for me. That takes it down to a seven. To me, I don't need any of the other shit. If you're just if you if you're doing a supercut of just the just the special edition stuff, this is worse than Meet Wally Sparks. <laughs> oh my I'll god, give that a two. <laughs> uh, I have a different. I I'm like eight point five. It it oh, only. For God's sake. Well, because it doesn't, it's still 97% Star Wars. You know what I mean? Like it's very, very little has been truly tweaked. If anything, it's been cleaned up and remastered and it looks a little bit, you know, I mean, I'm talking about watching it on a ultra HD TV, but even in the movie theater, it was a cleaned up print. And Yeah, the color correction really looked great, actually. Yeah, so I'll just tweak it back a little because in a way I feel bad that I ever just gave Star Wars a nine instead of a Mm. 10, but it was all based on the, Empire, the empire yeah. scale but um sense. but so yeah so i only take i'll only shave off a little bit for the 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 annoyances of the of the special edition um yeah 8.5 forget special editions any special deliveries <laughs> in the mail sack there's nothing in the mail we did not get a new newsletter of hybrid happenings Great. Uh, this week thank god we bought unfortunately we've heard nothing from the arthropod squad so i think we have to assume that they have been captured, dispatched with, who knows, by QS slash Richard Dreyfus. So I think we're at the point now where we must make this phone call. We can do it now or we can do it later on after we talk about uh, well, uh, waiting for Guffman or we can do it right now. But I have been working on the time phone. Oh, uh, in order to in order to in order to make this call, should we do it now? I guess so. I don't Here's know. my uh, question, though: Do we need the time phone to call Nolte? Is of course, it Nolte? we do. Listen, I got out my soldering iron <laughs> and my tweezers and my forceps, and I, I, I've been spending all week on this. I reversed <laughs> the polarity on the Floyvenator. I uncoupled the degloivenizer from the transglavin diode. I reflavonated the electrolytic capacitor and ran it through the hoivenation transceiver. And then I dunked the whole thing in Mountain Dew. So if oh we're God. ready to make this call. Then we need to do it. If you, okay. if, if you did all that hard work. I've been yeah, working on this it. all week. Thank God it came with a 600 page manual for doing exactly <laughs> this. <laughs> I just figured, you know, 1970 Nick Nolte was the same as 1980. Nick Nolte was the same as 2010. Nick Nolte was the same as 2048 Nick Nolte. I think if we call modern day Nick Nolte, he's just going to be very confused and or drunk. I think we have <laughs> to call the Nick Nolte who's been calling us. And that means we have to, you know, he, his was the last phone call that came through. True. Uh, from the past. On so the you're just going to star 69? So we have to star 69 it. Okay. So uh, let me just let me just uh, flip on the uh, Flavomatic inductor here. Oh, boy, it's really humming. Boy, that is, that is, uh, that is, this thing is, oh, God, the goo is spewing out of it. All right, I'm hitting the star six, nine. It's ringing. It's ringing, you guys. Oh, my God. Oh, somebody's picked up. Hello? 
Hello? Are you there? Mr. Nolte? Good morning. <sighs> Mr. Nolte, we've, well, I, I think we've reached your coffee can. Are you, is this you, Mr. Hey, Nick hello. Nolte? Oh, I think I am. Let me check the mirror. Oh, God in heaven, still Nolte. <laughs> Mr. Nolte, thank God you're here. Okay. I thank God every day for me being here. He and I are close personal friends. I sent Roscoe to him, but I've said too much. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to hear that that's finally, <clears throat> that that's finally happened. Um, and, oh, um, hell to hell with all of you. What now? <laughs> We, we we need your help, Mr. Nolte. We yeah. need your help. Do you know who this is? We, you've called mm. us before. We're the guys who do the opening I know weekend podcast. You in, are doing this my pillow guy. I know. I... <laughs> Close enough. Close enough. Um, it, first of all, is Lumpy with you? Is he? Is your grandson Lumpy there? Lumpy right here. He's <laughs> my pillow now. That's what I. <laughs> you, you should be softer. Get softer. God damn it. <laughs> all right. Nice to hear from you, Lumpy. Very nice to hear from you. He'll sleep for a while now. <laughs> You made him softer. All right. Now, Mr. Nolte, I don't know if you've been able to keep up with what's going on, but um, we have a situation. How would I do where, that? I live under where, where, a bridge <laughs> with a coffee can and, uh, and uh, is he an Ewok? What is he? <laughs> Understood. Understood. Um, keep it if, up. If you. <laughs> you know what I am? Do you hear? <laughs> what we need for you to do is to talk to someone, someone who lives in our present, which is your future, and he's your co-star oh, from down out in Beverly it. Hills. It's <clears throat> Richard Dreyfus. Do you remember Richard Dreyfus? Down out in Beverly Hills. So if I'm in the past plus a future times <laughs> last week, and then you carry, carry a Thursday, <laughs> carry on a Thursday, and then oh, well, I'm supposed to go to the read through today. <laughs> Perfect. This is perfect timing. Perfect time. Wait a minute. Can we do the the whole like you know if you go back in time and you shoot Hitler? Is this <gasps> this type of thing? Oh no, God. we can't do that. We I can't do that. Wait, Mr. No, 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 no. We because we'll lose out on do. we'll lose out on some great performances. Oh, That's God true. Damn it! All right. By That's Hitler. True. No. <laughs> Hitler was originally cast as Duddy Kravitz, I think. <laughs> oh, now well, listen. Couldn't have done worse than with that son of a bitch. God damn it. <laughs> Mr. Nolte, I think what we're going to need is to, is to uh, maybe, maybe on next week's show, if you call us at that time, we'll, um, we, we, what we've got to do now is sort of bait Richard Dreyfus QS, the queen sucker, into calling into the show at the same time as it's either like, you call us or we call you so you can convince him. It's like Chinese, not- I don't know what you're saying. I don't understand what you're saying. I'm there with you, Mr. Nolte. Flippity flap, flap, flap. You got to call this and do what? I got a thing that day. I'm just kidding. I don't know. God damn it, I don't know. How could you even know that? Okay, look. They all Next. bleed together. What, did you no. want me to talk to him right now? What am I supposed to do? I don't understand how none of this works. Ne- Lumpy, can you provide any assistance? Can you explain it to Mr. Nolte? Uh-huh. Yeah. 
Well, 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 now I know you want me to call on a specific day and time so I can be connected to Richard Dreyfus in Mr. McSiddleplick mode, and I'll be wearing the costume that I auditioned for Richard Donner's Superman, and that's easy enough. I understand now. <laughs> thank you, Mr. Nolte. Thank oh, you, yeah, thank Lumpy. Thank you, thank Lumpy. Thank you, Lumpy, for interpreting. It's all clear now. So we'll hear from you next week at this time. Yes? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> or you know what? I'll call you. I've got the time phone working. I know how to reverse just, engineer no, I can, the flow. I can call it. I can. I can call. Okay. It's just I might be. You know, just give, you know, give or take five minutes or something. You know, go and but I, I should fine. I be wearing the suit when we do this? That would be. That would be. Yes, that would yeah. be great. That would because be because he is a supervillain at this point. He is a supervillain, and we need a superhero. We need well, a hero. Too. He was, well, it's going to be real awkward is I'm going to, I'm going to go to this read through today. I'm going to shuffle on in there and I'm going to, I'm just going to laugh. I'm going to be like, you don't know what's coming up in 40 <laughs> your job, years. Or your job, your know. job is to spot his weaknesses at that read through. Spot his, his weaknesses. Weakness. <laughs> Have you seen him in a movie? He's not the best. <laughs> He's a wonderful actor, Mr. Nolte. I'm sorry. Yes, He's no Elizabeth Pena. You know, I'm going to see her at the day. I got, I'm got. i bringing one white rose for Elizabeth Pena. I'm going to see what she, see if she goes for it or not. So now you're Nick Apollo Nolte, I see. Now, now it all makes sense. Nick Apollo Nolte. Yeah, that's what, yeah no, I fought Rocky. <laughs> This is going to be this is going to be an interesting phone call next week. I think I think it will be. Well, thank you, Mr. Nolte. We're going to go. But thank you so much. Thanks to Lumpy. And we will look forward to Nolte versus the Queen Sucker, Richard Dreyfus, in order to save our Sheila next week on the opening weekend podcast. Thank you, Mr. Nolte. No, he's out. He's out cold. All right, I'm going to hang well, out the time no. Is it next week? All right, let's fight this son of a bitch. I got one well, leg through the right tight, and now I'm getting, I'm just scooching, and God damn it, don't fit no more so good over my head. You think, how can an ass get so fat when all you're eating is grubs and worms and shit? Yeah, it's all right. Oh, no, we'll yeah, call, next week, next we'll, week, next we'll week. We'll talk to you next week, Mr. Nolte. Thank God you. damn it. Oh, he's gone. Long wow. went dead. He's gone. He's gone in more ways than one. Wow. 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 All right. Well, now that, okay, we've got that set. I think, I think we're going to talk to him next week. Now we've no. got a bait. We've got a bait Richard Dreyfus into calling in at the same time next week. And I think we can work this week on doing that. All right. Well, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, I was uh, just watching down and out in Beverly Hills and great movie, but uh, you know, who really steals it Go ahead. is Nolte. <gasps> Nolte I'm, steals that movie I'm and Bette Midler and yeah. the girl from Square Pegs oh. and Elizabeth Pena <laughs> and every the weak link is Richard Dreyfus. <gasps> really true. You hear that? You hear that? QS? No, he's wonderful in it. Oh, I'm trying to oh you're trying Richard to beat him. Dreyfus. I'm so sorry. Oh, no, for I'm going. Going. Keep going. That's good. No, no, That's you're right. Good. You're right. Yeah, yeah Dreyfus st- is the weak a, link. He's a stinky pot. He stinks. You know who I love? I love Robert Shaw. He's the nicest guy in the world. I could hang out with Robert Shaw all the time. He's you know who's great. great and who's never a problem on set? Bill Murray. Oh, he's wonderful. wonderful. <laughs> he never should get an ashtray thrown at him or thrown by him at anyone. Good. This is good. We're baiting him in. This is good, you guys. Him. You know who's we'll not? Um, I don't know. Something with Melinda Dillon. <laughs> 
Perfect. Perfect. Something, something. Why am Melinda I not Dillon. good at this? Something, good. something Melinda Dillon. Best part of Close Encounters was uh, Truffaut. He was yeah, the best Truffaut part of Truffaut was great. And so was Bob Balaban. I, I only needed to see Emilio Estevez staking out that lady's house. I didn't need some old man. He's breathing old man oh air God. all over. All the letters and the postcards Sheila would send you, Dan. Oh, Sheila loves you. Sheila, she does she love loves you so much. Richard Dreyfus when she would write to me. It Never. was all me all the time. This is so good. All right. If he's if he's any kind of, you know, anything we know him to be jealous, vindictive, he's going to call in next week and he will be on. The, and then Nolte and we get these two together. That would be great. You know, and I think the, the best Lansky was the actual Lansky. <laughs> Maya Lansky. I don't think anybody else can compare. I don't think there's any point. You know, nobody else can lay claim. Nobody could say I'm Lansky and lay claim who's to the who's, moniker. Who's better, Richard Dreyfus or Amy Irving? Puh, there's no competition there. Oh, that's good. That's <laughs> Amy good. Irving. That's good. That's really good. Oh, good um, uh, 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 Max Bickford and Duddy Kravitz walk into a bar. Well, now I'm just telling a joke. <laughs> And Krippendorf says, get out. I don't know. Listen. He'll I would rather me. have Nick Nolte and Sheila stand by me than Dreyfus any now day. Now you're talking. Even if he is narrating it. What? Now we've left. I totally right, forgot we've- that he narrated <laughs> I was like, I was like, abort, abort. That's River Phoenix, Fred. I know they both grow a mustache about as well, but I hated Veep. Oh wait, that's Julia Louis oh. Dreyfus. I'm sorry, it's the wrong Dreyfus. Okay, oh. we've left this breadcrumb trail for him now. You know, listen, folks, listen, subscribe, give the five stars, and tune in next week. Dreyfus v Nolte next week on Opening Podcast. Listen and subscribe. I can tell you this: whatever happens, it won't be. Boring, 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 boring. (laughs) Waiting for Guffman. The city council of Blaine gave me the responsibility of putting together a show to celebrate the 150th anniversary of Blaine. I took the whole history of the town and I squeezed it like a piece of fresh bread. I have found here in Blaine a gold mine of talent. I have a little announcement to make. Mort Guffman is going to come from New York City and see our show. We have one shot at this. We've got one performance with Mort Guffman coming to town. We need to hitch up our panties and run. When the town of Blaine, Missouri approaches its sesquicentennial, there's only one way to celebrate, with a musical review called Red, White, and Blaine. Hoping the show will be his ticket back to Broadway, local theater maker Corky St. Clair, played by Christopher Guest, rounds up a cast of enthusiastic but less than talented locals, including Eugene Levy, Fred Willard, Catherine O'Hara, and Parker Posey, to perform his masterwork. But when Corky reveals that New York producer Mort Guffman will attend the opening night, things really kick into high gear. Waiting for Guffman was the first of four Christopher Guest-directed mockumentaries of the late 90s and early aughts, and, although it became a cult classic on home video, Guffman's initial release saw the film earn just $38,000 over its opening weekend and only $2.9 million by the end of its theatrical run. Fred and Dan, what did you guys think of Waiting for Guffman? I love this movie. It's, it's, It's a gem of a movie. I don't... 
I don't know if I saw it when it first came out. I don't think I did. I didn't see it in the theaters. I must have seen it. I did. Did you? <laughs> huh? I, I don't. I don't recall. I must have seen it later when it was on cable, or maybe we rented it. Maybe I saw it with you, Jason. That 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 seems like it would track. I don't know. Like maybe we 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 probably we did watch it. it. Yeah. I mean, I it. Yeah. I've seen it so many times. But I yeah, I saw it <laughs> in the end at the Angelica. I saw it by myself oh, wow. one day, and uh, I think I was in the front row. It was like a packed screening, and I think I saw it in the front <laughs> row, like at a matinee or something. And uh, oh my god. Yeah, but go ahead, please. It's uh, no, it's it's practically a perfect movie, and it's it's by far the best of all of Christopher Guest's movies. The oh, rest, you think so? Yeah, I, I, I do. I, I, I yeah, huh. yeah. I need to revisit, but I I remember feeling very let down by everything that followed this oh, one. Oh wow! wow. Yeah. I was only let down by For Your Consideration, but I love the others. This is still my favorite. Know. But maybe I, I need I, to revisit. You know what it was? It, there, there, there were moments in all of the others where I thought it went a little too far. There was a, maybe not not much, but there was always one or two moments. Mm-hmm. I remember in um, Best in Show, there was the moment where Catherine O'Hara, I believe, like yes. starts to make out with someone in front of, you know. I, and, I agree and, with you, Fred. That that always it, was off the just, rails, the, just, the amount of like how flagrant she was with ex-boyfriends and stuff yeah. in front of Eugene Levy. I agree with you. That's it, true. It just, they were just, it, each movie, there seemed to be more moments where I didn't buy it, where it got a little more ridiculous. Whereas this, and with same thing with Spinal Tap, which obviously, you know, that was really the precursor to this and yeah. what set him off to doing that. There's really, there's no, the the only moment in this movie where I feel like it it goes a little over the top in that way is at the very end with the, uh, my dinner, which I think is hysterical, but the, my dinner with Andre (laughs) action figures and all that stuff. It's very, very funny, but everything else. And that's what I love about this movie. We all know a quirky. We all know these people. We know all of them and they're played so realistically and sincerely and, you know, as much as, as as we're meant to laugh at these people, we also sympathize with them and we understand them. The Guffman News is really big, and uh, I don't truthfully think that the cast understand how big. Um, they don't know the New York thing. They haven't been through it, and I have, you know, so it is kind of on my shoulders. And going to the Big Apple for the first time, you know, is such an experience you never forget it it stays with you for your whole life me you know right out of the navy you know fresh off a destroyer uh with a dance belt and a tube of chapstick basically you know not really much to call my own and then basically being slammed down for 10 or so years you know off 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 broadway and then enough is enough okay i get the joke i mean obviously the main characters are fantastic christopher guest is like I said, I mean, as someone who works, you know, we all work in the theater. Like I said, we all know Corky. Yeah. We know a director or a choreographer or someone who is that Corky. But I love, I love the uh, the town council. You know, great. Like Larry Miller. Larry Miller, and, Larry Miller is fan you know, that that whole yeah. group. You know, you just you believe you believe them. Yeah. You believe in in their love uh, for this little town of theirs. It's just, it's played with such sincerity. Well, I'm very proud to say that I'm a direct descendant of Blaine Fabin. Um, I've lived here all my life, uh, as did my parents and their parents and their parents and their parents. And being a Fabin is not always easy. Um, 
I can certainly understand how the Kennedys feel. It's a very affectionate portrayal. It's very yeah. It, there's affection for all of the characters, I think, and and so I. No, think wait, it, you don't think anyone's stupid. Well. You're not like, maybe. oh, they're dumb. You know, they're just, they're, it's, it's yeah. simple. They have a simple life. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah, exactly. Being less than sophisticated is not like uh, um, necessarily a bad thing in this yeah. movie. It's not, it's not insulting to anybody. I don't think, I think it, I think it comes out pretty, it, I think it rides the line pretty yeah, well. Yeah, it treads both sides of that line. You're right. It, 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 it runs the risk, I think, of going but there's something about it you know, reminding me of you know because we've all seen really bad community theater and i think about like my, my mother-in-law may she rest in peace she would always <laughs> do shows did you I, you might have come did you guys come to see any of her shows Mm-mm. i don't think no, I did. she worked no. with this company so they were called the herricks players i believe on herricks long island and you know would go see their shows and you know look they 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 weren't the best. It was always like a cast of thousands, which was just <laughs> because basically anyone, you didn't have to, audit, you know, anyone who showed up was in the show. No. And there were, I remember going to see the production of, I think it was, was it Fiddler or Oklahoma? But my God, I mean, the scenes between, the between, uh, yeah, it was Fiddler, the scene between Perchick and who's the girl, which, whichever daughter it is that falls Huddle. in the Perchick. Huddle. I mean, mm. it was a penny for your thoughts. Ema, I'm going to fight for my country. To fight, and yes, perhaps die, so that young men from here to Timbuktu can feel the wind of freedom blowing through their hair. The yeah. fact that the Albertsons are travel agents who've never traveled, yes. never so been much. anywhere, yeah. that's a microcosm of this whole thing. You know, I've lived in several towns now, small to medium-sized towns in the Midwest over the last chunk of my life. And Peoria, where I live now, is a very big Big community theater town. There are mm. three major community theaters here. Um, and, you know, some of the places that we would go to in Kansas had community theaters and summer theaters and stuff. And people take it very, very seriously. But what they don't take seriously is actually <laughs> anything really beyond the joy of being in the spotlight, mm-hmm. the joy of being on stage. It's not about storytelling or affecting people or changing lives or all the reasons that we, you know, do theater, you know, the, for, 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 and it's so funny because the, the, one of the theaters here um, just celebrated like a centennial and there was a big thing on PBS about them. And, and um, to, to the last person, every person was, who was interviewed on this thing says something on the order of, Oh, it's so great to be in the spotlight and to be up on stage and have everyone, have everyone seeing you. It's nerve wracking, but it's thrilling. Hmm. And being out there in the, in the footlights and in the spotlights, it's all about being seen, Hmm. being noticed, right. Being relevant, being important for those minutes of your, for those minutes or, you know, those times of your life. And that's based, that is what this, captures brilliantly yeah no you're so right you know i i guess eugene levy they're all so good there's nobody i mean christopher guest i don't know if i've ever laughed as hard as i have laughed over the years at christopher guest's portrayal of corky saint Clair. it never fails to make me laugh out loud i've seen it dozens upon dozens of times but but everybody's great fred willard my god the scene brilliant 
the scene where the in the play when they're in the play and and um eugene levy is presenting him with a stool right he's the president coming to town. i forget which president he is <laughs> mckinley there's, mckinley there's all these yes. tiny little things going on in his face the tiniest goddamn things when like eugene levy like he's an asshole because he like cracks a joke you know it's the type of thing i've done on stage in my life where it's like he makes the travel agent joke like to get a laugh right. from the audience yeah. right so he winds up throwing off Eugene Levy ever so slightly and Eugene Levy says one word wrong and then you right. see the look on Fred Willard's face like ah, oh, it's fucking unprofessional yes. asshole yeah. and oh, it's so, so funny it's so yeah. good it's so minute but but Eugene Levy I, I bring him up because that moment where it's heartbreaking and it's beautiful because when he says the thing about how he comes at home from the first rehearsal and he's like I'm a little nervous because maybe I, I, I've been doing the wrong yeah. thing all my life. Oh. It's funny. You laugh because you're like, oh, my God, you did one rehearsal of bad community right. theater and you think you should throw away your dental practice. But you right. also feel what he feels. It's like that moment that anybody has when they discover the thing that really lights their fire, whether they're good at it or not, is like pretty inconsequential. Like you fall in love with something and all of a sudden your eyes are opened in a new way. And he captures that so beautifully in that yeah. little moment to the camera where you see the actual nervousness in his eyes. Like I'm, I might have to pick up and move. I don't know what my wife's yeah. going to think of this, but I, my life is changing now. And I, I don't you know see how to the deal sadness with it. as well. You, you, you feel the sadness of that moment as well, because it's like, Oh, you're fucked now. Because you're actually not <laughs> yeah. going to make it because you don't have any idea of the reality of right. what it takes to do this and, and the, right. the level you have to be at, you know, so you, you're also sad. But then that the flip side of that, his wife thinks he's wonderful. Yeah, yeah. She's, wonderful. she's so good. <gasps> Look out! <laughs> what do you want from us? Oh, good question, Earthling. It seemed like it was time for a change. For you see, nothing ever happens on Mars. No sports or entertainment or drinking bars. You stand around, you stand some more on the planet named for a Roman god of war. The show is actually a triumph. And that is the masterstroke of this movie, is that the show is actually it gets a standing ovation at it's the end. It's a triumph for its audience. It's for the exactly. audience. Exactly. And that's, for its that's, and that's yep. what I, that's the thing. What I know said before, audience. it was yeah. really, uh, and so much like the, the, it, the movie's really about, I mean, it's about a lot of things, but one of the things that really struck me this time was that, oh, it's about the community mm -hmm. and what theater can do for a community and how it can bring people together because it's, it's, it's not a triumph and that is a good, it's not a good show. They're terrible. It's, 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 it's the worst of, but of, of community them. theater, but they, right, for them, but they do it well. They pull right. it off. Yeah. They do everything they yeah. need to do. They pull it off and the audience loves it. And it's not so bad that you don't believe that the audience doesn't love it. It's good enough. It's exactly for what, it, It's exactly what it needs to be and yep. what that community needs to see. And that's what's so it heartwarming needs. about yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. The, 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 the levels match, right? The, it, it meets the audience on it. The, the show meets the audience yeah. on its level and the, <laughs> uh, and the audience and meets love, the show on that I level. And they're so excited many, that it's like, Oh, it's a, so a spaceship excited. comes down, you know, yeah. I mean, this cardboard spaceship. They're like, Holy shit. That's the coolest thing we've seen here. Yeah. Uh, you know, in the, in the auditorium. <laughs> because I love how all the characters yeah. through and throughout it, they say there's different characters who say it where they're like, yeah, we, you know, we don't really know theater that well. They, they, they're, you know, they trust core 
work implicitly, yeah. you know, and they're not denigrating theater. They're not saying it's stupid, but they're like, you know, that's just not our thing. We don't know it. So if, if Corky says this is going to work, this, and several characters say that throughout. I yeah. mean, Alan Pearl's wife says that. No, wait, um, not Alan Pearl. What's his, what's uh, Eugene? Yeah, what is Alan, Pearl, Alan, Alan Pearl. Pearl. Yeah, Alan Pearl. Pearl. Yeah, his wife, um, she says that too. She's like, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't really know, you know, much about theater, about acting. You know, they, they talk about that. So, for them, this is the pinnacle, and yeah. this could go to Broadway. Wow, of course it can, yeah, and that's right. really lovely. And you believe it, and that's where you I believe think that they the real, believe it. Yeah. That's the triumph of the movie, really, that they do a great job, and you believe that they think they're doing a good job, and then the community thinks it's a great job, and you know, thumbs up. That's, and that's, that's really thing, beautiful. That's the thing about small town communities is that that sense of community pride and community identity is a hundred percent real. Mm-hmm. Like people are proud of what they're, you know, especially Midwestern towns like the ones in Missouri, Kansas, Nebraska, where, wherever are very, very proud of what makes their own community unique, what they have to offer and their history. And this, you know, for, for what it's worth, Christopher Guest know, seems to know that. I, I'm going to be glad to do the show on Broadway and there'll probably be other offers. Mm-hmm keeping our fingers crossed, but I don't know if the theater and the stage is for me. I mean, for one thing, there's an awful lot of memorizing of lines, and I think, and I think you know what I'm thinking. Yeah, that's always been the ultimate goal, Hollywood. Uh, even when I was a kid doing my impressions, and here's looking at you, babe, and uh, you don't care about anyone but yourself. Who is it? Henry Fonda. I always have to tell her who I'm doing. She always laughs, but now who is that? It, these things work because they're not mean-spirited. There's so much, there's such a right. a deep well of affection at the at the core yeah. of all these movies, I think. And it's a, re- it's a, it's a really great and, and very realistic depiction of DIY community th- of actual theater, you know, like I love, they got I love the, the scene where they're right, rehearsing yeah. and you hear the band playing and mm-hmm. you can, you hear the, you hear the reverb of the drum of the snare drum in <laughs> this, in the auditorium, you know, and you see the crew, the locals sewing and making stuff. I mean, that's even when we were working on the shows for my kid's school, you know, it's all the parents pitching in. And so even just like, I mean, they don't focus on them, but just seeing like the backstage crew, in this, you know, the, the the woman doing the costumes and the stage manager, everything seemed very realistic. And, you know, that's what it is. Just everyone pitching in, you know, to do this one night only. And I, and I really like that. Again, it was just played very sincerely. There's, it's too, it's, it's really hard when you come from theater, and I'm sure you felt this too, seeing movies or TV shows about theater, and they just don't get it right. Yeah. You know, and the, and the littlest yeah. thing, I'm, I'm, I was thinking about um, when we we're doing the superhero episode and I rewatched Spider-Man and was it in Spider-Man? Or, it's no, in Spider-Man, Spider-Man 2. 2 and, and she's two. working. And the, yeah. Back right. And the stage manager comes in. She's like 15 minutes, folks, 15. And I'm like, there's no stage manager who's ever been that happy. <laughs> right. That's, you know, that. and right away <laughs> it just pulls you out. Right. So right. It, it's stuff like that. So to see what it really looks like when people are, you know, Hey, let's put on a show, which is just people getting together and just cutting shit in the auditorium and stapling and like mm-hmm. that. I really enjoyed that watching it this time. I, I like the guy who's playing trumpet while playing the drum. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's it's very funny. funny. That's funny and that's silly. That's funny, um, You know, there's something about it too that, you know, yeah, we, we all do theater. And so you, you there's, there's a, I, I tell this story because, so I saw the movie when it came out and then that was around the time I was working 
consecutive years at Texas Shakespeare Festival, where you've worked as well, Fred. Mm -hmm. And I remember talking to Raymond Caldwell about this movie. And I remember saying to Raymond, oh, man, Raymond, you you got have you seen Waiting for Guffman? You've got to watch that movie. It's so funny. And he was like, I can't I can't watch it, Jason. And I was like, what? What? Come on. He's like, he's like, oh, I can't. It's too painful. And, oh. and I was like, why? He's like, he's like, because that's what I fear. Everything we do is I fear it's oh. that that's what it is, that that's the level it is. And I was like, no, oh, no, no, wow. Raymond, it's, it's, it's much better. He's like, I, wow. I, I understand, but I just can't. It's too bad. I can, I empathize too much. I've been in too many rooms like that. I see myself in it too much. And I was oh, like, oh, that boy. felt so sad to me. But I'll tell you, once I started directing, I find it harder to watch you're like is this a piece of shit am i sure, you know, yeah. am i is is this a hacky choice yeah. or decision or is this a lame piece of music to use or is that bad staging is that i'm trying to solve this problem is that just a a, sh a shitty oversimplistic way of solving it and i'll tell you you know when i directed pride and prejudice a couple years ago in syracuse the cast also they loved waiting for guffman would quote it constantly i think this is for me, this is a more quotable movie even than Caddyshack. I mean, this is like one of the most quotable <laughs> movies of all time for me. And everybody loved, and they were like, oh, we got to do a screening of it. We got to do a screening of it. We do. One night we do it. We're still in rehearsal. Like we're going into tech. I'm feeling pretty good about the show. I start perspiring a little watching it. I was like, I was like, <laughs> oh, I was like, some of, some of what I've done here is not that far off from oh, some please. of the. <laughs> Did you whip out the conga? But that's what you, but the, I think that fear is real. Like, like, Ooh, do I, th because they are all people yeah, the who think what they're doing because they are in inside it and think it's good. Yeah. And maybe okay. they don't, and they don't maybe have the, like I say, sophistication is or the sophistication to know it's not. And you'd like to think that you do, or, you know what I mean? That you're like, yeah. Oh, I, I would know that it was bad. I'd be able to see that. But when you're in something <laughs> sometimes, or you're, you're mired in it, you don't have the perspective. And then you start worrying like, does somebody will somebody else look at this and think, oh, my God, what a fucking piece of shit. So I tell you, I watched that movie and I was like, I'm not laughing as much as I normally do, because now I'm like, you know, the captain of the ship. And I probably would solve some of the problems the way Corky solves. Them. <laughs> you talked about um, quotability. You, you know, I, I haven't I, I had seen this movie um, years ago, but I hadn't seen it in a long time. That the most quoted, at least the most quoted line in, you know, shows that I've been involved in with people who have people who love this movie in them is it's the day of the show, y'all, which is one of Parker Posey's lines. She's yeah. so yeah. great. What struck me this time is, oh, that's not a celebratory line when she says it. <laughs> right. She says it because Corky has quit. Yeah. So it's actually <laughs> yes. a despairing line. It's the day of the show, y'all. But everyone, everyone in theater goes, it's the day of the show, y'all, mm -hmm. on show day, on opening day, as if it's celebratory. And I never <laughs> I never put that together. Before. I mean, I've seen this movie before, but I had forgotten that that was a despairing line. That's very funny. That's very yeah. interesting. My favorite, one of my favorite lines is, is, is one of the song lyrics that it, the stool song. Oh my God. Working, so, so making some for selling, some for keeping. Some for keeping. <laughs> it's so it good. me all the time. It's so, so bad. It's so, so awkward. So awkward. Yeah. Catherine O'Hara, the best portrayal of a drunk I've ever seen. The, the, the dimming of the light in her scene. eyes at the Chinese yes. restaurant. I was like, she's got to be actually drunk. Like, I don't know. It's yeah. very hard to act it that well to really 
have that haze of <laughs> the alcohol kind of she's robbing a, you. Of she's your, a goddamn genius. I mean, we've been watching Shit's Creek, you know, over and over oh, and over right. and over yeah. again. And it's, it's just them my again. God, yeah. you're like, wow. Is there is there anyone better than Catherine O'Hara at anything? No. You know, you get Chinese here and no need We're to talking go. about Miami now, dear. Yeah, we'd love to go. We'd love to go. Is it a direct A week, two weeks. Like there are Chinese people in Miami. Well, we should. You know, we've stopped. What do I have to do? Of course there are Chinese people in Miami. We're talking about China I'm talking about going to Miami. That's the only thing. We're talking about Miami. Dear, why don't you put some food on your stomach before you have any wine? That was the one scene. I love her in that scene, but that... I agree with you about the My Dinner with Andre stuff at the end. That kind of feels like, and the remains of the day lunchbox, it's funny, yeah. but it does feel like it's from a different kind of movie. Yes. But that the only thing within the movie prior to that, that kind of, I feel like maybe goes to a place that is not yeah. believable is the stuff about Fred Willard's penis, penis. and <laughs> getting up and showing it to him. I'm like, oh, we yeah. kind of don't need, I love these two couples getting together at the Chinese restaurant because it's, you know, if someone were doing a mock, a documentary um, um, of this, they might go and follow them with the camera and, and see this. But I don't, I don't know that that scene, but again, if you lose that scene, you lose Catherine O'Hara's great drunk bit. But you know what? You could shave. It's very funny because I made that note today, Dan. I was watching it and I was like, this is the perfect example of the ridiculous to the sublime, like the extremes yep. that that uh, Christopher Guest goes to where he gets it so right and it's so organic and so real and yeah. where he goes for like the big joke, the big swing, because, yeah, because Catherine O'Hara is amazing. And you're like, boy, that is a real like uncomfortable one person too drunk at the table situation yeah but then yeah then he gets up and he's like showing the penis i'm like well that's just yeah it's a bridge too far you could have yeah you could have I edited that there. out it's like such a broad sticky kind of joke but it is i have a remains of the day lunchbox that jeff gonzalez our buddy jeff gonzalez when i cast oh. him in pride and prejudice that production that i directed in syracuse and started to sweat thinking that i was quirky uh <laughs> That was his gift to everybody on opening night. He nice. had remains of the day lunch boxes made for everybody. And oh, they look so exactly great. like the one in the movie. Exactly. That's brilliant. It's pretty great. At least that's he didn't give you a Judy Tenuta t-shirt. Oh, that, God. Been, that, that was amazing. That's great. It was perfect. How Sheila's. many churlers? I'm going to give it a nine and a half. I would almost give it a 10. I was going to give it a 10. Why wouldn't I give My it a 10? My first note was 10 Sheila's. This is 10 oh, Sheila's. I was almost going to say it as soon as I started. I was going to say 10 Sheila's. Yeah. I, the only reason I would bring it down to a nine and a half is maybe the My Dinner with Andre bit at the end, the remains <laughs> of the day. But no. Yeah, you know, fuck it. I'm going to give it a 10. I'm going to give it 10 Sheila's. Wow. Yes. Yeah. I really, really enjoy it. It's just a, it's just a lot of fun. And they're all perfect in it. I think it's brilliant. I go eight on this movie. A solid why do you hate I'm so surprised. I'm so surprised. Why are you Wally the way Sparks that you are? gets almost four and this is an eight. Honestly, there aren't that many comedies where that is, where it's eliciting a, you know, you know how thrilled we were with seven. You know what I mean? The movie seven, where it's just like, holy fuck, this is perfection from beginning to end. You know, uh, th this doesn't achieve that. Um, that level for me. And I think that's hard. I think quite honestly, because it's harder to do with comedy. No, and now I'm, I'm going to bring it down to a nine and a half again. Okay. You're going solid nine and a half. And I'll come up it. to an eight and a half. How about that? I'll meet you. I'll meet you somewhere up meet there. Me no. halfway across yes. the sky, Sheila. Next week is going to be. <laughs> 
<laughs> two movies I've never I've never seen either one of these because we're going way back. We're going way way back Goodbye. to February sixth, nineteen eighty one. Ooh, and two films: The Devil and Max Devlin, starring Bill Cosby and Elliot Gould. Yeah, um, with uh, Bill Cosby typecast as the devil and Ooh. uh and fort apache the bronx starring paul newman and ed asner so that's what we've got next week on opening weekend dan what you got to take us out with son i guess what i should do is make a valiant attempt and i i i, I will i mean i was gonna do like the imperial march or maybe have a go at something from star wars again or or maybe even the uh the can't creature cantina theme oh which but. I've never, I've never hand farted that before in my life. Ooh. I could go into that, but I also feel like what would be more Guffman like is to take a stab at Midnight at the Oasis and Please probably have do. that fall yes. into a million oh pieces because I don't like a hundred percent know the song. Let's that would try be that. Amazing. That's okay. Nobody does. And then, and then jump into um, the stool song if you can. Oh <laughs> Jesus, that I definitely don't know. Where nothing ever happens on Mars. <laughs> a penny for your thoughts. Any anything oh, And how good is Teachers Pet? That is hilarious. <laughs> She's, so good. She's so good. She's hysterical. She's all hips and thrusts in that <laughs> that role. Funny. All right. So Midnight at the Oasis. Midnight at the Oasis. All right. Here we go. <laughs> is that about how That's it goes? Fantastic. That was lovely. Oh, okay. That was great. Okay. That is how it goes. And that's <laughs> how we go. <laughs> we go bye-bye now. <laughs> we'll see you next week on opening weekend. Thanks everybody. The opening weekend podcast is produced by Jason O'Connell, Fred Berman, and Dan Matisa, with editing by Jason O'Connell and sound mixing by Fred Berman. Additional help and technical support provided by Ethan Duff. Thank you for listening. My monkey.